Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast, your weekly dose of important information from the world of hotels and investment. Uh, this week, as normal, you find the two of us gathered around the desk of insight. That's Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, and me, Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Analyst, chewing over three sort of sector topics uh, we've had a good look at this week and have caught our eye and particularly this week the, the, it's results season so all three of the things we're looking at are around uh, annual results from the big hotel groups um, and as usual if you'd like to know more and, and in a bit more granular detail then please do sign up for a subscription uh, take a trial and have a look at what we write in much more detail about these topics and we're going to start by looking at two of the hotel groups that really have rather benefited if benefit can be is the right word they've done better than better than most others in the last year uh, that's uh, Wyndham and Choice uh, how have they done better well they've both lended the year just either side of the wire in terms of profitability. One's actually choice has actually declared a very modest profit and uh, Wyndham just a very modest loss. Um, have they done very well? Well, it seems like they've done well because their properties are kind of more towards the budget end of the market. They have been busy throughout the year with those kind of workers that can't stay at home. The workers that kind of get out to mend things, build things, the blue collar workers of the world and they have been having to go away and stay uh, as they, they get on with their work and it seems that they have been filling the rooms during particularly during the week and while the leisure guests may not have been there at the weekends thankfully those workers have been there through the week and um, both of those groups have done not too badly as a result. And there's a bit of a turnabout isn't it? Uh, it is. Uh, it, it, every week we ask this same question, Chris, which is, has COVID changed everything? Or has <laughs> it simply speeded up existing change? Yeah. And this is, again, that same issue. So have we suddenly got um, the suburbs roaring back into life and it's the cities are dead and it, everybody wants to exit urban areas? So if you look at um, these two, Choice and uh, Wyndham, you've got uh, Choice bragging about how 95% of their portfolio is outside of dense urban areas. Now, we've not had that bragged about um, previously. Certainly, that would not be a brag pre-COVID. Yeah. It now seems yeah. to be a brag. Um, how much is this going to continue in the recovery? Uh, I don't think very much. It, it, that is my view. I think cities are coming back. Uh, they'll come back with a roar. Uh, mm. So I think that they will change their tune on this one. But there's no question that their, their, their business models have held up remarkably well. Uh, Choice said 96% of franchisees are now paying their fees, which is quite remarkable in, you know, the, given the, the, the challenges that all hoteliers have faced. 96% are, are paying their fees. It's quite mm. remarkable. And it's no doubt why they're actually just about able to make a profit in 2020, unlike the vast majority of the, of the mm. industry. Um, 
So th th that that is evidence, yes, of a very resilient business model. But I would say it's resilient, but very dull, a bit like the suburbs where they're based. Um, and I don't <laughs> see as we come back into the recovery, we're going to see a, a, a soar away suburban future. Um, and I think what they're going to have to do, these two between them, is decide where they're going to go for growth. And I think they've got a couple of options in front of them. Uh, one is to pivot more into the growth segments which are there such as extended stay um which is of course what choice choice is is doing either by abs absolutely i mean it's still only eight percent of their overall portfolio the mm -hmm. the extended stay but they've, they've got a few interesting brands we, we don't see them in europe though i mean mm. sort, that's all in all in the us yeah but they, they've got a few i mean they launched one just pre-pandemic uh um, which is just to remind myself, as I've not never actually seen it, or what it's called. It is called Everhome Suites. Um, quite an interesting one. It looks very much like a sort of co-living concept in a way. It's that much closer to residential um, than the many extended stay um, concepts, which are perhaps nearer to a, a hotel, but with a kitchen perhaps thrown in the room um so the, the, it, it, this this ever home thing looks a uh, quite a bit more like a sort of resi type thing um and that clearly is a, a push for them but i think Wyndham is making a, a more assertive push overseas i mean i didn't actually spot anywhere on the analyst call um where anything outside the u.s got mentioned um <laughs> i don't know whether you whether you did chris but um, i got no. quite excited when they 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 started talking about developing markets um, and I thought oh, oh they're going to start talking about Africa or something but no <laughs> what they're actually talking about is um, the back end of South Carolina with, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well the diversity within within the US industry actually is what they were talking about and some yeah. of their initiatives there I mean they were very welcome initiatives but not not the emerging markets I thought they were going to start talking about um, uh, but Wyndham yeah they, they have a, a, a more assertive um, outlook for um, international uh, interesting Wyndham they're pushing away from um, their sort of master franchise approach and they're much keener on the direct franchise approach they reckon about 60% now of their international properties ex-US properties are under the direct franchise rather than the, the sort of master franchise approach which they used to have say with Super 8 in uh, in China and Choice has in say Scandinavia for example um, so they're against that but one thing they did say which is quite interesting i think um they ruled out any MA activity this year or next year which i think could well hamper um their ability to grow significantly um internationally but we'll see we'll see we'll see how they go yeah because they were I mean, they had a bit of a clear out this year didn't they windham they they the, their system didn't really grow at all because they had a good old sort out of stuff that didn't quite make the grade yeah, I mean, I have to, you know, I, I mean, Wyndham does have um, a pretty ugly looking uh, portfolio <laughs> in the US. I mean, it's much better overseas, mm. but the US, I mean, I, I've uh, once went to Parsippany and I had to sit through a presentation from every brand manager within within what was then Sendent. And they just prattled through all these things like nights in and stuff. And they are dumping these real dog end um, properties but uh, um, one of the issues they have is that, that you know both both Wyndham and uh, Choice um, they're picking up the tail end Charlie's from the, the, the 
bigger brands mm. um, and their conversions they're talking about tend to be rather than independents they're tending to be uh, um, the people who are being <laughs> exactly cast offs and that doesn't look to me a very sort of sustainable you know it's not a route to really profitable growth I'd suggest if you're just picking up other companies cast offs but uh, there, there we are I, I, I think it uh, more interesting will be, I think, that if they can look overseas and actually push that piece, which Joyce seems to have no interest in, and Wyndham does at least seem to be talking about something outside the US. Mm-hmm. Now let's move on to the big beasts. Uh, talk about uh, Marriott and Hilton, um, both both businesses which lost quite a lot of money in uh, 2020 because they are faced with much larger overheads and a much more of a portfolio skewed towards the uh, middle and higher end market which have been um, suffering much more than the the choice um, but uh, we were looking really as we heard the analyst calls and the discussion of the uh, the fourth quarter results for what was going to drive them forward a couple of kind of immediate takeaways were that um, it seems that uh, Hilton had a very good year in terms of growing their net unit numbers uh, up about five percent and um, they're looking at four to five percent in the next year or two not so at Marriott where they think think things are moving at a bit more of a pedestrian pace about three to three and a half percent that was one kind of clear takeaway for me and the other big deal it seemed to me was that um, CEO Chris Nassetta at Hilton was talking much more about um, medium term how he sees massive growth in the mid-market excited about his kind of mid-market brands which is something where Marriott's perhaps got a little less obvious strength yeah nug is the nub of the matter um, <laughs> that net unit growth thing um, that really does that really does matter um, it's going to be a key lever to pull for for um, growth in these companies and th- there was a very different um, tone between Marriott and um, Hilton. Of course Marriott was going to be a bit subdued because of the news about Arnie Sorensen um, so, but, but nonetheless even putting that to, to one side I, I did feel that you know, um, Hilton you had Chris Nassetta sort of talking about thumping the table with optimism um, <laughs> and, and you know and what you heard out of Marriott was about you know how there were going to be no deals getting done because this there's a too big a spread between buyers and sellers in their in in their asks the bid ask spread is just too much um, you know I, I it, 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 I think Marriott's going to have to change its tone mm-hmm. yeah. um, going forward. Um, I think they're going to have to be a little bit more assertive. Uh, we're going to talk about the appointment um, of of the CEO and um, president, um, but I, for me, it was quite a conservative move. That um, it didn't doesn't strike me. This is a company that's about to change everything and go on a rip. Um, I do feel, however, Hilton. There was just a glimmer, just a, 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 a you know a hint that maybe maybe Hilton might be on the acquisition trail. Mm. Now, I mean, oh, did you, did you, you know, get I that? Did you? Because he, he was quite he was quite sort of. It's a very nuanced change in tone okay. from never ever to uh, maybe possibly but very unlikely. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so, so it's very nuanced, but but as far as that goes, I think it you know I personally think it's quite significant. They admitted that they've been looking at a lot of um, um, 
smaller regional brand companies about acquiring them. Mm-hmm. Um, Nasetta was talking, saying that I'm going to be, you know, I don't want to pick up other people's dogs because with those come a lot of fleas <laughs> um, so, and all sorts of things like this. But but I, I did, there was just a, that slight hint that maybe, maybe if the right thing pops up, he would do it, mm. um, which is very much not the mood music that was being um, played during the, the Marriott call. So I, I think there was a difference there. But you know, I and I think if Hilton is going to make its M and A splash, it's going to be in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the set has been there for thirteen years, and it's just been Mister No. Uh, so now, now, should, um, now could be his moment, if if ever. It yeah. could be. It could yeah. be if he's if ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel that Nasset is a, a guy, a glass half full guy, and it did feel this time around. It's, it felt like that that glass was half full with Red Bull because he was really. Um, Oh, I, I agree. I mean, I, I loved. I mean, he talked about you know, higher margins and more free cash flow, leading to incredible returns. I mean, he was very bullish. Well, yeah, that's right. Because he, he, um, he said, "Oh, I don't, I don't care if we lose a bit of, you know, peripheral business." business travel business due to zoom and stuff because it doesn't matter because we're going to be growing and we're going to be more efficient so you know we're it's going to come back in space yeah, yeah. is basically what he had basically what he was yeah. saying yeah it's gonna uh, um yeah i mean yes i know they are sentiments i concur with actually i, I think he's right to be bullish i think we're in a, in a great industry with great tailwinds um and i think hilton are very well placed to to exploit that Amaris similarly but i think they need to have a mindset shift from from what came across in in that call who knows the reality behind the scenes mm, is going yeah. on there i mean marriott has been the most assertive with with acquisitions mm-hmm. i mean obviously with starwood um but you know a lot of well a bit more than infill but protea in in africa ac hotels in spain they've done a number of quite significant pushes there um through m a so i you know I, they have the track record but it's uh, for me right now it seems to be you know hilton are are, are the ones to to watch on that yeah because the, the only stuff marriott was really talking about in terms of kind of um, growth activity was stuff to do with all-inclusive resorts homes of villas and this seemed to me like it was all about filling in uh bits and pieces to kind of help help the loyalty members to kind of be able to burn their burn their points yeah not 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 super exciting no. really uh, I, I, it's interesting the sunwin acquisition which is a good acquisition that add that alone adds a hundred basis points to um to the nug mm-hmm. rate so for 20 that's a, they're already at one percent as it were um growth mm-hmm. um for 2021 so they're off to a good start with that but they, you know I, i've always felt in europe in particular marriott needs to make more of a play i mean ac was one thing but they that there are there are more things they can be doing here they they just seem to be looking east as you mentioned mm. in your piece you contrast it east and west and it's it's in the east where they they seem to have their focus but i i think they're missing the the chance that is going to be here because europe is notoriously difficult to do deals in um but but because of the distress that's around right now because so many uh, capital structures are under pressure uh, you know you've got this opportunity and it needs to be seen um, and you know, I, I hope that the European team at Marriott are being more assertive um, than appears to be the case with um, 
you know, uh, what's being said on their analyst calls. Now we're going to move on to pull together uh, two quite disparate uh, hotel companies, Hyatt and Scandic, but they are kind of in dick plays out. We've seen some very different uh, reactions to the different business models of uh, hotel groups. And uh, on the one hand, we've got Scandic, who are a very much a leasehold player. They lease all of their hotel properties and they've been really suffering as they've got obviously rent bills to play but very little coming in and on the other hand let's take a look at Hyatt. Hyatt has always played the kind of middle ground they haven't gone completely asset light they deploy capital they recycle capital but they use it strategically to grow uh, in areas where it kind of suits them and they can see a strategic objective in uh, in, in moving into a particular part of the world uh, or growing a particular part of their brand portfolio so very different outcomes for the two of them um hinted as they revealed their end of year figures that they may have to go through another level of some sort of restructuring to pull in more finance um they already did a rights issue um previously to kind of bail them out i, I feel like they're on the ropes at the moment yeah, well, I mean, if you were to pick a, a business that would suffer in this kind of environment, it would be a one that's leasehold, um, and, and indeed there is enormous pain. Uh, going back to our reference of cities and suburbs, I, I, one thing that really came th through for me in in their results notes was um, just how bad it is in Scandinavia in the cities. They they said in the fourth quarter, Stockholm, 23% occupancy, but Oslo, Helsinki and Copenhagen all right down at 16% occupancy. So really painful. But actually, what a great opportunity this is to get into those markets if you've got so much agony out there with owners. Ooh, um, now Starwood Star Capital have just arrived, haven't they? <laughs> I thought you had something flying in on the news wire there, yeah. but yes, it's almost. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, and and yeah, no, absolutely, and I think yes, it is. It is that chance. The 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 the, the calamity that this this terrible uh, pandemic has has visited on the industry does create opportunity, mm. and it, it, the. The winners are going to be those that seize these opportunities. And it's interesting, again, another CEO who is um, drinking the Red Bull, as it were, is Hyatt's uh, Mark Koplamazian. Um, he, he was very optimistic and uh, uh, he, he was singing out of my hinge him sheet to an extent and talking about the recovery of group travel because everybody's been sort of rattling off oh it's going to be years and years before group comes back and i've been saying actually you know business and group is going to come back a lot quicker than people think because this isn't a financial crash um, companies are actually going to be chasing uh, new business there's massive opportunity there they're going to be spending money on that on that travel um, as soon as they can and it was interesting that Hyatt um, he talked a lot about uh, the recovery in China and how group travel had come back very strongly in China I mean he talked about in how in 2020 it had got back to pre-COVID levels I mean, he talked about in terms of new product launches by companies car companies, introduction, 
new line introductions by luxury brands. So all of these things have been hosted in Hyatt's in, in China. And he, he thinks, you know, it, it's right back at where, where we were sort of thing. And it, um, the read through of that is this is where we're going to be elsewhere in the world as, as things come back online. So, you know, if UK and the US you know q3 q4 we're getting to a situation where we've been vaccinated these things can can start happening again be a bit later in continental europe it might be q4 uh, it might be q1 but you know it, it's coming um the vaccinations are going to deliver that so uh, he was very bullish um and i think rightfully right rightfully so um because I, I i think things will it, it's going to be a different recovery to the certainly the one we saw post the global financial crisis and also it's quite interesting he was talking about how uh, hyatt internally had sort of moved itself into becoming what he describes as more like a sort of software company in terms of um, proving to themselves that they could develop things come up with new ideas move really fast now and um uh will that uh, if that if that continues to kind of come through in the coming year or two then there could be some quite dramatic changes mm. yeah i mean it's similar to what hilton was saying in terms of how uh, margin increases i mean they didn't reference margins specifically but they talked about uh, as you've said chris in terms of the the, the digital innovations they've introduced the innovations in f and b effectively all driving better margins and then you'll get outsized returns as um, the recovery gets into full swing um, and I think this is the exciting bit we've we've got leaner and more efficient companies as we come out into what will be I think a, a very strong growth period let's move on to our no star and five star awards and uh, this week I'm giving five stars to Marriott for very quickly announcing their new CEO and president um, to replace the uh, untimely departure of Arnie Sorensen. Um, so I'm also giving the five stars for splitting those two roles out, which of course is good corporate governance. And also, although it disappoints me that I should have to point it out, uh, for point promoting a woman to a top leadership position. Indeed, I mean, she already had a top leadership position, to be fair. I'm not, what does president mean? I, I'm not sure I fully get it. I think it's kind of like chairman, isn't it? But <laughs> um, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting one. As I've already said, I think uh, this is a relatively conservative move. I think it was pretty clear it's probably going to be internal because they said it was only going to be two weeks after the announcement of uh, uh, Arnie Sorensen's um, death. Um, they said they would have a, a new leadership team in place within two weeks and they have have delivered on that but uh, um, could they have been a bit they you know um, they could have been a reached out further i think and gone for something more more dynamic but they've gone for the the safer option i think which is true to the the marriott culture and the marriott form i think i'm not so sure just to go back to the point we were making and then the hilton marriott um contrast i'm not sure that the current culture is one that calls calls for such conservatism however so um we will see um marriott has flipped this in the past as we saw with the starwood deal as we've seen with some of their other deals so maybe we'll 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 see this shift so give a supplementary five star award andrew to <laughs> to the uk government well i, I don't know whether we're going to award anything to the uk government but it, it's five star relief <laughs> okay. i think that we finally have um a a route map out of 
the pandemic and a route map to um, um, how we're going to reopen the industry. Now, I, I, there's a lot of debates going on in, um, within the industry about whether this is the right way forward. I know a lot of people feel it's too slow. Um, we're going to go into more depth about this next week, so I won't go, I, I won't say too much um, just now, other than that for me, I, I, I think the initial part is slower than you might hope for but the end part is very quick um, so I think if you'd have said even a week ago that we were going to see nightclubs opened by June the 21st in the UK I wouldn't have believed you I don't think um, I, I, I thought we'd probably see that back in the autumn so I think that tail end piece that sort of fourth bit so there's one two three four stages of the reopening process and that fourth bit um, I think is quite dramatic and quite a leap the the first three are very steady and very slow and I think there's you know there's there's understandable disquiet about why you opening up self-catering a month before more than a month before you're opening up hotels and that that's a good question um but uh, in some ways i think from a from an operator's perspective you're almost better off waiting a month when you can open more fully and actually drive more business because what we have seen is that well um hospitality um units have been able to open um, in 2020 by and large they haven't made very much money um, brief spurts over the summer when they could trade at more or less normal in a, in a more or less normal environment but where we have this sort of social distancing stuff it's it's quite tricky and it's expensive to to do um, so in, in a way it's almost better to to, to just keep things um, you know still until we're ready to come back with a bit more of a bang um uh, we get we'll get a bit more into mm -hmm. this chris next week i think um and no doubt you'll have some interesting views um from from across yeah. the industry as always we'll try and take a sort of a step back we won't always just beat the industry's drum just because we're you know we're part of that industry um we'll try and take an objective view and we have historically criticized the industry's viewpoint and i suspect we may criticize some of the things that are being said um, at the moment about it but right now i think thank goodness you know we are coming back the industry's coming back it's 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 five okay star. and our no star award this week goes to google who have been fined over a million euros in france for skewing hotel search results uh, apparently they were using their own ranking system rather than working off the uh, French industry's uh, published rankings um, and that was judged to have been detrimental to consumers. Yes, um, have we reached the high watermark for the tech companies? Mm. Question mark. Um, the last couple of days we've seen tech stocks come off um, quite a bit. Is well there's Facebook's argument trend? with the Australian government um, over news exactly yeah and and you know i i think definitely we need some significant regulation i would like to see some antitrust activity go on in the us to break them up they are too big they're too powerful um, i think it's going to be good for them good for innovation um we need to start doing something about these tech companies in europe um maybe growing some of our own would be a would be a start i think um and it's time for a change in this in this sector and you know this could be 
I'm not suggesting it's .com 2.0 bust, but um, um, I, I think certainly .com 2.0 change is, is, is necessary. And on that note, we'll go off and check our noughts and ones, and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.